0: Chapters thirty five and thirty six of History of Rome from the earliest times down to four seventy six A.D. by Robert F. Pennell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty five, the second triumvirate, Philippi and Actium. Caesar, in his will, had appointed Gaius Octavius, the grandson of his sister Julia, heir to three-fourths of his property, and his other relatives were to have the remaining fourth. Young Octavius was in his nineteenth year when Caesar was murdered. He went at once to Rome to claim his inheritance. Caesar's widow, Calpurnia, had entrusted to Mark Antony all the money in the house, a large sum, and had also delivered to his care all the dictator's writings and memoranda. Octavius was cool and sagacious, without passion or affection, and showed himself a match for all his opponents. His arrival at Rome was disagreeable to Antony, who was unwilling to surrender Caesar's property. He claimed that he had already expended it for public purposes octavius at once paid the dead dictator's legacies mostly out of his own fortune thus making himself very popular among the people he then joined the party of the senate and during the autumn and winter of forty-four was its chief champion he was helped by the eloquent cicero who was delivering against antony his famous fourteen philippics so called from their resemblance to the great orations of Demosthenes against Philip. During the spring of 43, Octavius advanced against Antony, who was at Mutina, Modena, and defeated him in two battles. He was then appointed consul, and finding it for his interest, he deserted the senate, made friends with Antony, and with him and Lepidus, formed november 2743 the second triumvirate assuming full authority to govern and reorganize the state and to hold office for five years the provinces were divided as follows lepidus was to have spain and gallia narbonensis antony the rest of gaul beyond the alps and gallia cisalpina octavius sicily sardinia and africa a bloody prescription followed among its victims were cicero who was surrendered to please antony three hundred senators and two thousand equites philippi and actium the triumvirs could now concentrate their energies upon the east whither brutus and cassius the murderers of caesar had fled These two had organized in the provinces of the East an army amounting to 80,000 infantry and 20,000 cavalry. They were employed in plundering various towns of Asia Minor, and finally, in the spring of 42, assembled their forces at Sardis, preparatory to an invasion of Europe. After marching through Thrace, they entered Macedonia and found Antony and Octavius opposed to them at Philippi, with an army of 120,000 troops. There were two battles at Philippi in November, 42. In the first, Brutus defeated Octavius, but Cassius was defeated by Antony, and unaware of his colleague's victory, committed suicide. In the second battle, three weeks later, Brutus was defeated by the united armies of the Triumvirs, and following the example of Cassius put an end to his life. With Brutus fell the Republic. The absolute ascendancy of individuals, which is monarchy, was then established. The immediate result of Philippi was a fresh arrangement of the Roman world among the Triumvirs. Antony preferred the East. Octavius took Italy and Spain, and Africa fell to Lepidus. Octavius tried to establish order in Italy, but many obstacles were to be overcome. Sextus Pompeius, who had escaped from Munda, was in command of a strong naval force. He controlled a large part of the Mediterranean, and by waylaying the corn ships bound for Rome, exposed the city to great danger from famine. Octavius was obliged to raise a fleet and meet this danger. At first he was defeated by Pompey, but later, in 36, in the great sea-fight off Nolycus, in Sicily, the rebel was overcome. He fled to Asia with a few followers, but was taken prisoner at Miletus by one of the lieutenants of Antony, and put to death lepidus now claimed sicily as a part of his province and an equal share in the government of the roman world with the other triumvirs but his soldiers were induced to desert him and he was obliged to surrender to octavius his life was spared but he was deprived of his power and provinces he lived twenty years longer until thirteen but ceased to be a factor in public affairs having rid themselves of all rivals, Octavius and Antony redivided the empire, the former taking the west, the latter the east. Antony now repaired to Alexandria and surrendered himself to the fascinations of the famous Cleopatra. He assumed the habits and dress of an eastern monarch, and by his senseless follies disgusted his friends and supporters he resigned himself to luxury and idleness, and finally divorced himself from his wife Octavia, sister of Octavius, disregarding his good name and the wishes of his friends. Thus, gradually, he became more and more estranged from Octavius, until finally the rupture resulted in open war. The contest was decided by the naval battle off Cape Actium in Greece. September two thirty one. Antony had collected from all parts of the east a large army, in addition to his fleet, which was supported by that of Cleopatra. He wished to decide the contest on land, but Cleopatra insisted that they should fight by sea. The fleet of Octavius was commanded by Agrippa, who had been in command at the sea-fight off Nolaicus. The battle lasted a long time, and was still undecided when Cleopatra hoisted sail, and with her sixty vessels, hastened to leave the line. Antony at once followed her. The battle, however, continued until his remaining fleet was destroyed, and his army, after a few days' hesitation, surrendered. Octavius did not follow Antony for about a year, He passed the winter in Samos, sending Agrippa to Italy with the veterans. His time was occupied in restoring order in Greece and Asia, in raising money to satisfy the demands of his troops, and in founding new colonies. At length, he turned his attention to Egypt. After capturing Pelusium, the key of the country, he marched upon Alexandria. Antony, despairing of success, committed suicide, expiring in the arms of Cleopatra. The queen, disdaining to adorn the triumph of the conqueror, followed his example, and was found dead on her couch in royal attire, with her two faithful attendants also dead at her feet. Octavius was now sole ruler of Rome. Before returning to the capital to celebrate his triumphs, He organized Egypt as a province, settled disputes in Judea, and arranged matters in Syria and Asia Minor. He arrived at Rome, August 29, and enjoyed three magnificent triumphs. The gates of the Temple of Janus, which were open in time of war, and had been closed but twice before, once during Numa's reign, and once between the First and Second Punic Wars, were closed, and Rome was at peace with all the world. Marcus Tullius Cicero Cicero's public life covered a period of nearly forty years, from the dictatorship of Sulla to the fall of the Republic. Although endowed by nature with great talents, he was always under the sway of the moment, and therefore little qualified to be a statesman yet he had not sufficient self-knowledge to see it hence the attempts he made to play a part in politics served only to lay bare his utter weakness thus it happened that he was used and then pushed aside attracted and repelled deceived by the weakness of his friends and the strength of his adversaries and at last threatened by both the parties between which he tried to steer his course. End of Chapter 35 Chapter 36 Augustus 30 B.C. to 14 A.D. After enjoying his triple triumph, Octavius should, according to the precedents of the Republic, have given up the title of Imperator, but he allowed the Senate which was only too glad to flatter him, to give him that name for ten years, a period which was repeatedly renewed. In this way, he became permanent commander of the national forces. Next, the imperator, emperor, caused himself to be invested with the authority of censor. This enabled him to revise the list of senators, and to restore to this body something of its ancient respectability. By judicious pruning, he reduced the number to six hundred, and required a property qualification for membership. He placed himself at its head as princeps, prince, a title which implied that the emperor was the first citizen, without claiming any rights of royalty, thus lulling any suspicions of the populace the Senate still decided the most important questions. It had jurisdiction in criminal matters and the right of ratifying new laws. It was convened three times each month. Namely, on the 1st, 5th or 7th, and 13th or 15th, the Emperor voted with the other Senators. The Senate next conferred upon Octavius the title of Augustus then it made him proconsul an officer with the right to govern provinces and consul with the privilege of having 12 lictors and of sitting in the curial chair between the two consuls the regular consuls of course were only too ready to follow his wishes finally he was made pontifex maximus the head of the roman religion augustus was now supreme ruler in fact if not in name the senate was practically subject to his will the assemblies gradually lost all voice in the government and finally disappeared entirely the senate however continued nominally to act until the time of diocletian 284 a d as augustus had exclusive command of the armies he chose to govern as proconsul those provinces which required military forces. He himself resided at the capital and sent deputies, legati, to oversee them. The other provinces, called senatorial, were governed by proconsuls appointed by the senate. These were at this time Sicily, Africa, Achaia, Greece, Macedonia, asia minor hispania ulterior and gallia narbonensis the city government now included all italy in this augustus was assisted by three prefects one in charge of the corn supplies a second in charge of the city proper and a third in charge of his bodyguard of nine thousand men called the praetorian guard these prefects soon overshadowed all the regular magistrates, and through them Augustus reigned supreme. The Roman Empire at this time included all the countries bordering on the Mediterranean, extending east to the Parthian kingdom, the upper Euphrates, and the Arabian desert south to the desert of Sahara, and west to the Atlantic Ocean. On the north the boundary was unsettled, and subject to inroads of barbarians. In the early part of his reign, Augustus joined to the empire a new province, Moesia, comprising the territory along the lower Danube, and making nineteen in all. Augustus next devoted himself to the task of conquering the territory between the lower Rhine and Moesia, which was occupied by hardy mountaineers whose resistance was likely to be stubborn. His two stepsons, Drusus and Tiberius, were in charge of this important work. They were so successful as to acquire enough territory to form two new provinces, raetia and Noricum, 15 B.C. Tiberius also conquered the valley of the Save and made it the province of Pannonia, western Hungary, 10 B.C. Drusus, while his brother Tiberius was engaged in Pannonia, made a campaign against the Germans near the Rhine. He had nearly finished the conquest of Germany from the Rhine to the Elbe when he died, 9 B.C., and was succeeded by his brother Tiberius, who completed his work. Drusus received a cognomen of Germanicus for his conquests in Germany. His wife was Antonia, daughter of Mark Antony, by whom he had two sons, Germanicus and Claudius, the latter of whom was afterwards emperor. In 7 AD, Lucius Varus was appointed governor of the newly acquired territory in Germany. When he endeavored to subject these recently conquered peoples to the forms of the Roman provincial government, they rose in rebellion, under the lead of Arminius, Herman, a powerful chief. Varus was allured from his fortified camp, 9 A.D., into a pass in the Teutoburger forests, where he was suddenly attacked on all sides. After three days' fighting, he succeeded with great loss in making his way through the pass into the open plain, but was there met by the enemy in full force, and his troops were annihilated. In despair, Varus killed himself. Germany was practically lost, and the Rhine became again the Roman frontier. This defeat caused a great stir at Rome, and the emperor is said to have exclaimed in his sorrow, Varus, Varus, give me back my legions. Five years later, 14 AD, Augustus died. In his last moments, he asked his friends if he had not played well his part in the comedy of life. Although married three times, the emperor had but one child, Julia, 39 BC to 14 AD, by his second wife, Scribonia. She was noted for her beauty and talents but infamous for her intrigues. She was married three times, first to Marcellus, her cousin, secondly to Agrippa, by whom she had five children, and thirdly to the emperor Tiberius. She was banished on account of her conduct, and died in want. Octavia, the sister of Augustus, was noted for her beauty and accomplishments as well as for the nobility of her character. Her son, Marcellus, was adopted by his uncle, but died young, twenty three b c. The famous lines of Virgil upon this promising young man, Aeneid the sixth, eight sixty nine to eight eighty seven, were read before the emperor and his sister, moving them to tears, and winning for the author a munificent reward. After the death of her first husband, Octavia was married to Mark Antony, by whom she had two daughters, through whom she was the ancestress of three emperors, Claudius, Caligula, and Nero. Agrippa, 63-12, to an eminent general and statesman, was a warm friend and counsellor of Augustus. At the Battle of Actium, he commanded the fleet of octavius he married julia the only daughter of the emperor and had three sons two of whom were adopted by augustus but died before him the third was murdered by tiberius augustus died at the age of seventy-six he was frugal and correct in his personal habits quick and shrewd in his dealings with men bold and ambitious in the affairs of state his greatness consisted rather in the ability to abstain from abusing the advantages presented by fortune than in the genius which moulds the current of affairs to the will his success depended on the temper of the people and the peculiar circumstances of the time his clearest title to greatness is found in the fact that he compelled 80 millions of people to live in peace for more than 40 years. He made the world to center on one will, and the horrors which mark the reigns of his successors were the legitimate result of the irresponsible sovereignty he established. He formed his empire for the present to the utter ignoring of the future. Thus it would seem that the part he played was that of a shrewd politician rather than that of a wise statesman. End of chapter 36 End of section 14